again, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Pirates Talk, presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. I'm Matt Lachlan. Before I turn my attention to today's guest, let me refer to the most recent podcast with Brian Felt, the Director of Athletics and Recreation at the Hall, and our conversation regarding name, image, and likeness. The discussion struck quite a chord with you listeners. Some of you were happy for the insights on a relatively new part of the college sports landscape, how it works, and its impact moving forward. Others were a bit more concerned about how Seton Hall will compete in the space. Yes, they begun an NIL marketplace, but with stories swirling around college athletics about deep-pocketed alums funding these initiatives for their alma mater, can Seton Hall find, does Seton Hall need to find, similar, well-meaning alumni to do the same? It's a real area of anxiety, and one I hope to cover in detail on a future podcast. It is a subject that today's guest can touch upon, although we will delve more into the state of this year's team as they try to bounce back from their most recent loss to Kansas and prepare for the rest of their schedule, which includes a very big matchup this coming Sunday against Rutgers. Adam Zagoria is a well-known and respected name in the sports world, especially in the realm of college basketball, where he is an acknowledged insider. His work has appeared in the New York Times, the Star-Ledger, and other national publications, including Slam and Forbes.com. He covers Seton Hall for the Ledger and its online outlet, NJ.com. He is also an ultimate Frisbee aficionado, and he joins me today on Pirates Talk. Adam, thanks very much for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Before we dive into Seton Hall and a whole bunch of college basketball topics, I got to ask you, because I used it as the introduction, uh, your ultimate Frisbee connection. How did that all come about? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I'm, uh, I just turned 54 years old, Matt, and I've been playing ultimate since 1988. Um, and, uh, I started playing at Wesleyan university and Connecticut and college and, you know, kind of, kind of changed my life. And uh, a lot of my friendships and stuff are through ultimate and, uh, you know, I'm now playing in what's called the Great Grand Masters Division, which is over 50. And if you told me when I was 20 years old that I'd be playing in something called, uh, you know, GGM Ultimate, I would, <laughs> I would have looked at you like you were crazy. But it's still a lot of fun. Oh, I, I can imagine it is. And hey, it keeps you young, right? Keeps me young, gives me a chance to get out with my buddies on uh, the weekends and go to some tournaments and play summer league. So it's, it's a lot of fun. All right. Well, uh, continued success there. And uh, I do admire the fact that you're able to keep getting it done. And we won't mention the age. We'll just call it. What's it called? The great, great. What is it called again? Well, Masters is over 33. Grand Masters is over 40. And I'm in great Grand Masters, which is over 50. All right. Well, continued success in the great Grand Masters. What, what's the next? Do they go over 60? They actually did just start a Legends division over 60, yes. All right. Well, uh, good luck in, <laughs> in getting to that Legends level and uh, yeah. continue your work uh, on the on the turf, on the pitch. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Seton Hall. I want to start with something that you had as we record this on a Monday morning, something that you had uh, on NJ.com uh, for those who follow you. And if they don't, they should, at Adam Zagoria. You tweeted it out as well, and you spoke with Kevin Willard a little bit, and I'm sure it was about Maryland and their great start, but he also touched upon Shaheen Holloway. What did he have to say to you about what Shaw has done and what he thinks Shaw will do? Yeah, I mean, the quotes are, you know, there in the story, but, 
you know, look, nobody believes in Shaheen more than Kevin Willard. You know, he wanted him to get the job when, when he left and, and he's been a big supporter. Um, and he says, you know, it's a Shah's going through some natural struggles once you, you know, move up a level from the Mac to the big East. Um, but that he's the right guy for the job. And, um, you know, eventually he'll have more success than PJ had at Seton Hall, which, you know, that can only, you got to win one more game, but that happens to be the national championship game. Yeah. That's uh, you can only, you can only get one more rung higher than what PJ did. Um, so, you know, he's sticking up for his guy and, um, you know, he's going through some bumps and bruises right now, but he thinks he'll eventually get it done. Uh, you know, and obviously Kevin's off to an eight and no start at Maryland. They'll probably move up in the poll on Monday. And he, I think he said he's never been eight and no before in, in his coaching career. Well, you know, I saw that quote that you had in, in your story and realistically, I mean, even at Seton hall, as much as that was a big step up for him and he had a great deal of success there. Yeah. When he was at Iona, he was playing big teams that were better at the start of the season as they wanted to kind of pad their resume and get their start off uh, in a good fashion. And, you know, Iona would want to reach and play a big team. Uh, yeah, it makes sense that he wouldn't be 8-0, uh, you know, at the start of his career. So kudos to him. Do you think there are some Seton Hall fans that really don't understand what he did for the Hall? Like what it was like when he took over and where he left them? I mean, I hope they, you know, I hope they appreciate it. I mean, um, you know, Kevin's, Kevin's off to a really good start. I don't think anyone saw... Uh, he expected Maryland to do this. You know, they've beaten Miami. They've beaten some good teams. And then the next week or two, they have games against, you know, Wisconsin, Tennessee, UCLA. And then they actually play St. Peter's, which is, you know, kind of funny. Um, you know, look, he, he got, he made Seton Hall a consistent NCAA tournament team, never really was able to get them, you know, out of the first round except for once. So we'll see in, in three or four or five years kind of how, Shaw's record, you know, stacks up. So on to this Seton Hall team, four and four. They've lost their last three. Uh, they got blown out by Kansas. What What do you make of the first eight games? Well, I mean, look, I think Shaw's obviously frustrated. You can tell that, you know, by his comments on the radio and with us after games. He's, you know, he doesn't like to lose. He He wants to win. And, you know, I think there's an old expression that's worse to, you know, you got to kind of hate losing more than you love winning to be successful. And he, he clearly, you know, doesn't like to lose. He's obviously not real pleased that some guys have been injured and, you know, has indicated a couple of times that, you know, back in his day, guys played through injuries and now maybe they don't as much, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, I think they're also kind of lacking a, a go-to score at the end of the game. Like, you know, maybe Seton Hall has been spoiled in recent years. You had, <clears throat> excuse me, Miles Powell and Sandro and Jared Roden. And now I don't think they really have that go-to guy. I mean, they have three guys all averaging about, you know, 11 and a half points and Tyrese, Alamir Dawes, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, Dre Davis, who's hurt. And, you know, none of those guys is really, look like they've been able to take over a game late. Um, and, you know, sometimes they go missing late in games and and the same with Kadari, although Kadari had a, did have a good game against um, Kansas. So, you know, they don't really have that go-to guy. And I think that's, 
you know, maybe that that person will emerge during the season. Maybe it'll be a different guy at different times. But I think that may, you know, prevent them from, um, you know, being the best team they could be. You are what your record says you are, Bill Parcells famously said. And so they are four and four and they've lost three straight. But they have so many new pieces. And I'm not looking to make an excuse here, but he's a new coach. It's a new system, a new way of yeah. doing things. They've got a ton of new players that moved into the program from other schools. Uh, and Defo should be familiar, of course, because he played for him at St. Peter's. But others are trying to learn him. He's trying to learn them. How much do you think that has resulted in this wonky start for Seton Hall where you just, they'll play defense, but they can't find an offensive flow? Yeah, 100%. I mean, first of all, they could get Alexis yet. And I think I was told back, uh, you know, maybe next month sometime which, you know, that would obviously really help them because he's a, you know, a big physical guy. He's experienced with the Seton Hall players. He can score. So that would kind of be like a good, you know, mid-season free agent acquisition almost. And then, yeah, anytime you're, you know, you got a new coach, you're, you're putting together a whole bunch of new transfers. You know, he brought in Casey, who knows him, but, you know, Alamir Dawes and Femi, um, and the other guys are all, you know, new to the system. Yeah, the two Davis brothers. Davis brothers, you know, the freshman Jaquan Sanders. So there's a lot of new pieces. And he's he said that, you know, the offense is way behind the defense. I think that's obvious. I mean, you know, defense is something you can always you can always do. You can always play hard and block shots and rebound and get steals. And and you're not gonna play under Shaheen if you don't do those things. But the offense is is gonna take a while and it'll definitely be interesting to see you know, how much different it looks in, you know, February and, and March than it does now. Uh, everyone, including the head coach, hoping that as yeah. the season moves along, you'll see that improvement. He'll just, he'll need that time. You mentioned the injuries. I mean, he pointed it out, I guess, maybe a week or two before the season started. Like, I didn't have my guys. I had so many guys out with injury. They've started to come back a little bit. But still, yet in his absence to me, uh, I don't say it's gone underreported because it hasn't. Uh, you and, and your fellow chroniclers of Seton Hall basketball have pointed it out. But he's really their only strong inside presence. Trey Jackson wants to be outside. Uh, Tyrese is more a face-the-basket kind of guy. They have size, but not yet in his inside size, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Tyrese is a guy, he's obviously more comfortable facing the basket. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing they've they've struggled with here. I mean, first of all, they missed a lot of free throws. Um, they they turn it over, you know, about 15 times a game. I, I think the other night they had the stat during the Kansas game that 22 percent of their possessions result in, in turnovers. I mean, that that's not good. Um, and um, what were we saying? Oh, and then, and, you know, they miss a lot of layups. I mean, you know, Tyrese had a couple couple bunnies in that game he missed, you know, Trey Jackson's missed some layups, you know, they've, they've left a lot of points right there at the basket. So, you know, they have to get tougher converting those. And then obviously, you know, if they're able to add Alexis and he's healthy, that's, that should help. Kansas doesn't surprise me. I mean, maybe in the end, the, the final margin of victory for the Jayhawks was a bit of a surprise, but, you know, given that Seton Hall was playing the way they were going into that game, you're on the road. I mean, I mean, come on, it's Kansas, the defending national champs. I, I don't yeah. know that many people gave them a shot. The game that concerns me, I want to get your your thoughts on it, 
is the Siena game in the ESPN Events Invitational. They just didn't play well, and yet they had a lately. They were finally able to overcome all their rough play, get a lead. It was only one point, and I thought, okay, now in the final few minutes, they'll take some control here, but boy, the, the offense just, it was one and one guy trying to do something. Uh, they just seemed confused out there. What What is your thought about that last game in that ESPN events invitational? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a bad loss. There's no two ways about it. I mean, you know, Shaw was pretty pointed after the game. He said the two best, you know, players in this game were wearing Siena uniforms, you know, and that's, you know, he's calling his players out there. Yeah, and that's, that's gotta, scathing, scathing criticism. Yeah that's got to sting his players. And, you know, you, you win that game and you come out of there two and one, you feeling pretty good about yourself. You go to Orlando, you went two out of three, you know, instead they, they go one and two, you know, now they've lost three in a row. And look, we've talked about this many times when Kevin was the coach, not that Sienna is some big, uh, huge NCAA tournament resume win, but you know, it's not a, it's a, it's not a good look to lose to them early. And you got to get these kind of wins in November and December, they'll have a few chances in the big East. You're going to play, you know, play UConn twice. It's, they're ranked Creighton twice, but right now those are the only two ranked teams in the big East, you know, maybe Xavier. Um, and right now, really their only win of significance is Memphis, which, you know, looks pretty good. They're, they're going to play Rutgers here on Sunday, which is, you know, obviously a huge rivalry game, but you know, Rutgers has now beaten Indiana. If they could somehow beat Rutgers at the rack, which is, we all know it's a very hard thing to do, or I'm sorry, Jersey Mike's arena. <laughs> no, it's the rack. Come on. Let's be honest. I know we all yeah, got to pay I mean, the bills, but everyone should call it. Exactly. Rack, right. I mean, that, you know, that's a good win, but um, you know, otherwise you start looking up and, you know, it's like, okay, what, what wins do we really have? You know, right now they're, they're, you know, borderline NCAA tournament team. It's obviously still early. What do you think about the, the matchup at, at the rack? Uh, how do you see things? shaking out obviously it's it's one of the most difficult places to play and I think going into the Big Ten and and winning the games they have at home against some Big Ten opponents that seems to have elevated its image nationally in terms of a difficult place to play so the the challenge is clearly there personnel wise though uh, how do you see things shaping up yeah I was actually just at the rack like a week ago whatever when they beat up on uh Central Connecticut State you know they got Caleb McConnell back for that game and then they got Paul Mulcahy back this week. So, you know, Rutgers is, is fully healthy. Um, you know, obviously they're going to have a huge, you know, crowd support there. And, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, I've seen some people on Twitter, or the internet, call, Rutgers fans calling Seton Hall, South Orange community college, you know, there, there's not a lot of love lost, but the bottom line is, you know, in terms of an NCAA tournament resume, you know, that win would help Seton Hall and, you know, a loss would, would be another loss, obviously. What, what do they have to clean up? Is it just finding offensive consistency? I mean, they definitely got to make their free throws. Yeah. You know, they leave way too many points at the foul line. They, they got to make the layups, as we said. Um, you know, he, he came out of that game telling Dave Popkin and the radio guys he saw some things that he can build on. So they'll get a game here Wednesday against Division Two Lincoln. You know, I'm not sure how much that will really tell us. Um, but you know, I, I think Kadari is a big key, you know, you know, he had that one game last year, he scored 27 against UConn and just took the game over and showed he was capable of doing that. Um, and you know, 
obviously Shaheen's kind of said a couple times this year that Kadari has to be that that guy. He's a second team all Big East player. He's got to step up. And he does other things. You know, he'll finish a game with, you know, seven rebounds and five assists and, you know, five turnovers with with five or seven points. But I think they need to get, you know, 12, 15 points a game at least out of out of Kadari. They they need guys to consistently be there offensively. Yeah, he he's he's got size too. He can be a beast. So who are some of the guys that are new to Seton Hall? And we'll just ask you a few more questions and let you be on your way. And thanks again for your time. Uh, who are some of the newcomers, if you will, that have to now step up out of the shadows? Is it Dawes? Is it uh, one of the Davis brothers? Who who will it be more than who can it be? Who do you think it will be that steps up? Well, look, if Dre, Dre Davis can, you know, if this knee thing is lingering all season and he's kind of in and out of the lineup, that's, you know, I think that's a really not a good sign for them. He, he's been very active offensively. You know, he was their leading scorer until he sat out. He's an experienced guy, played at Louisville, you know, played in the ACC, not afraid to get into the paint and, and get active. So I think he could really help them if he's healthy and consistent. But that's obviously a question, and his coach doesn't like that. You know, Al Dawes can shoot it, um, but, you know, he has nights like Kansas. He was three for 11, seven points. He, you know, some nights he's his shot's not going to fall, and he has to learn to, you know, attack the basket and get to the foul line a little more on those nights. Um, you know, Femi, I like. He's a guy, six six six, who can do a bunch of different things, facilitate. You know, he rebounds pretty well for his size. He can score a little bit. So these are all guys that, you know, need to be, you know, more consistent. If, if they can get three or four of those guys, along with Tyrese, to score, you know, 10, 12, 13 points on any given night, I think you could win. If you only have two of them um, and the other guys go missing, then, you know, you're not going to win too many games. Yeah, too easy to defend if you're only getting points from from a couple of sources. Uh, last week I had Brian Felt on and we talked about name image and likeness and Seton Hall's foray into the marketplace there. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. What are you hearing? Because you're, you're so connected uh, to college hoops, but just as importantly to the recruiting world, you know, what's the story about NIL, the big East and where Seton Hall is and where they have to elevate a bit. I, I know, you know, Shaheen has, said it it's it's kind of been veiled but it's clear that he says Seton Hall needs to do more yeah I heard your interview with Brian you know I thought it was interesting I mean you know I think we have to be blunt about the fact that you know if you talk to like experts in NIL they'll say that you know Seton Hall is kind of behind you know behind the times a little bit and it seems almost like the Big East as a whole you know if you look at a list like on on3.com of the top 20 or 25 collectives in the country, you know, they're most of them are at power five football schools, you know, Texas A&M, you know, Oklahoma, those type of schools where you got, you know, alums and donors putting in millions of dollars towards NIL collectives, um, you know, and, and the Big East doesn't have football. So obviously that's a factor. Seton Hall doesn't have a collective at all right now. I mean, you know, Rutgers has one, St. John's has one, UConn's AD just put out a note that they have two collectives, you know, Seton Hall doesn't have one. I understand, you know, they got some partnerships going here with open doors and brander they're going to announce. So, you know, and, and 
Brian mentioned, like the camp, the basketball camps over the summer that the players did. But, you know, I've talked to some guys who say you got to spend, you know, X amount of money in the, in the millions in order to have a, a top 25 team or a competitive team. And, you know, they don't really have that right now. Now that could change over time. Shaheen's obviously indicated that he's lost some recruits, you know, because of it. Um, I asked Kevin Willard about it. He said it seems to matter more in the transfer portal, NIL money, but you know, that's obviously a factor. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. They missed out on, you know, half a dozen recruits this fall um, who are going to bigger schools. And, and Shaheen says NIL is a big part of it. So, you know, I think that over time that can change. They're, they're obviously building the new facility, the, the practice facility out of Walsh, and that should help them, you know, but that also gets into a question of, you know, then the school is, is almost competing with the NIL donors for money, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, a, if I'm an alum and I want to donate money, am I supposed to give it to the, to the new gym or to an NIL collective? So they got to kind of, you know, get that figured out. Now, I would think that at the big football schools, uh, because that is the tail that wags the dog, they would say both. <laughs> you're supposed to help fund more projects and you're supposed to help the NIL. And it is a challenge. There's no question about it. I'm very curious as to how Seton Hall will answer that challenge because they want to stay relevant in the Big East and nationally and they'll have to step up their game. Last couple, how do you see at this point the Big East? What have you seen early on that you like, don't like? Uh, I know we have to wait until conference play kicks in, but overall in the early going, your thoughts are? Well, look, obviously, you know, Jersey City's own uh, Dan Hurley probably has his, you know, the best team he's ever had. At the college level at, at UConn, they're number four in Ken Palm. They won the um, Phil Knight, you know, Invitational out in Portland. You know, they're they're loaded. Uh, Creighton, obviously, really good. They're the preseason favorite to win the league. And both of these teams have, you know, future pros. If you look at mock drafts, both UConn and Creighton have multiple, you know, projected future NBA guys. You know, the Big East isn't really known for producing one and dones. But you have older second, third year, fourth guys who are future pros. Those are the teams, you know, that do well. When when Seton Hall won the Big East tournament, you know, they had guys like Isaiah Whitehead, guys who are future pros. I'm not sure Seton Hall, you know, has any of those players. I mean, at times Kadari and and Tyrese have kind of attracted some NBA scouts, but they're not, you know, they're not projected to be drafted or to be NBA players right now. So I think the bottom line is, you know, you have older, older teams, experienced teams with, with future pros mixed in with some really good young guys. That's going to be the key to succeed for any team. And of course, uh, when it heats up, when they get into conference play, that's, that's when the fire really gets hot and we'll see who can survive and thrive in that environment. And this is the last one. So I've gotten to know you over the last couple of years. You've been kind enough to come on the show and, uh, we share some conversation at Seton Hall Games at Prudential Center. But what I didn't know until I was doing a little research for this show is that you own an Emmy Award. How did you earn the uh, Emmy Award? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for all the props. Um, yeah, it's like a New York Emmy Award for a, a documentary we did at SNY a couple of years ago on Tyus Battle, who uh, is a New Jersey, former New Jersey high school star, went to Syracuse and we kind of documented his 
recruitment and, you know, went behind the scenes in his recruitment a little bit. So, you know, I've always, always kind of wanted to get involved in uh, documentary films and I've, you know, I've been interviewed for a couple basketball ones, but, you know, I'd love to be involved in helping to produce or, or make one one day. Well, very cool. Congratulations on that Emmy and uh, hopefully many more, maybe an Oscar in your future <laughs> on the documentary scene, Adam. You can always dream, Matt. You can always dream. Dream big, my friend. Thank you again so much for your time. And we'll see you along the way at some Seton Hall games for sure. All right, Matt. Good talking to you. Take care. Be well. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. I'm grateful to Adam Zagoria for giving me so much of his time. You can read Adam in the Star Ledger at nj.com, at zagsblog.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at at Adam Zagoria. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of today's show and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. His help is invaluable, and I am most grateful for his support, but more importantly, for his friendship. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lockwood. Until next time, be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates! Pirates!